0: So today, I want to share with you a simple message. Hopefully, it won't take too long. And who knows, maybe afterwards, we can uh, talk a little bit about it. Wouldn't that be cool? Um, I want to share with you kind of like a reporter's view on Christmas. Now, nowadays, unfortunately, when we watch the news, usually there's an agenda. Usually, unfortunately, they come with their slant. And they don't really want to get to, like, the bottom line, to the truth of what's really going on. You know, but for us, for Christmas, um, we want to do that. Like, what's this all about? You know, why why does this rock the world the way that it does? Uh, Why um, does it have such a potential to impact us? I was talking to a guy yesterday on the phone, and uh, I remember when he got out of prison And this was before, you know, this was actually a classroom at one time. There was a wall here. And for whatever reason, I can still remember just sitting down in my office and talking to him about how Jesus Christ had changed his life, about how if he had never accepted the Lord, how he would probably be dead, how he would probably be in prison uh, for longer And how he would probably be addicted to drugs and alcohol. And this was probably about, I don't know, 18 years ago. And this young man who had all the odds against him, he wouldn't have made it in life. He's been set free and he's an amazing father. Nothing perfect, but it's just a beautiful thing to see what happens in an individual's life when Jesus Christ comes in. And like we're talking about here for Christmas, where he becomes the king of your life. Not a religion, but he's the one who calls the shots and we become citizens of the kingdom of God. And so as we're here tonight, I don't know if you guys are feeling it, you know, sometimes we can go through the season and one of the difficulties, believe it or not, is because the expectations are so high, while this is Christmas, you know, we're supposed to, you know, feel like close to God, or we're supposed to be very religious, or, you know, there's supposed to be a lot of cool things that happen, and maybe sometimes it's not. And what that can actually do is that can actually create like um, a, a discouragement in our own life. And so my prayer is that this Christmas, we would just come as we are. You know, whatever you're going through, whatever the struggle might be, uh, whatever, even, you know, in your honest transparency, you know, you're here and you're like, you know what, it's been, it's been difficult for me this year. You know, we're here to meet with God and just ask him, Lord, um, come in, do a work. And so as a reporter, back in the day, when they wanted to get an accurate story, they would ask these questions, who, what, where, when, why, and how? And so I wanted to do that with you guys tonight regarding Christmas, Who, what, where, when, why, how? Okay, so who, what, where, when, why, how? Now, I'm going to share with you things that maybe they might be um, a little bit um, debatable. You're like, well, no, I think when it comes to who, it's more along this or what, it's more along this or whatever. But um, see if you can follow me with this. Um, On that Christmas night, if I had to to give you, you had to give the best answer. Who who is the one? What would you say that was born on Christmas night? Who? And and I know like you're gonna say Jesus, amen. How many of you guys would say Jesus? Amen. How many of you guys would say Savior? Right? I think that's what the angels said as well. There's born to you this day a savior. Um even Lord, I think, is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter two. But if you would turn to John chapter one. So John was the third gospel that was written, and it was supplemental, and he had the other synoptic gospels, and when he wrote, he wrote things that he sensed were necessary for us to know. And so here in John chapter 1, notice it says in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so this is an interesting passage. It's kind of parallel to Genesis chapter 1 in the beginning, right? And so it takes you back in time. And this takes us to the time before time. If you can visualize this, this is God before angels were made. This is God before anything was made, any person was made. This is God. Imagine the fellowship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, And here John takes us back to a time where it was this fellowship that was going on. In the beginning was the the word, and the word was with God. Now, in the Greek language, um, the word is logos. And um, in the Greek perception, the logos was the one that held everything together. He was the one that not only made everything but maintained everything. And so John, who's writing to the Greeks and to the Jews, He brings up this interesting individual that is there in the beginning with God. Now, now an interesting thing is when you read the Bible, not only was John writing to the Greeks, but he's also writing to the Jews. And the Jews had a translation of the Bible. It's called the Targums. And in the Targums, this same word is translated Memra. So see if you can follow me here for a second. But basically... To the Greeks, the word was the one who holds the universe together, the one who made everything. And to the Hebrews, the memra was the one, when you would translate the Old Testament, whenever there was a passage that said that God came close, it would be the the Aramaic word memra. And so when John says the beginning was the word, The Greeks would immediately see this as the one who made everything and maintains everything. And the Hebrews would immediately see it as the one who represents God coming close to us. And so, you know, it's an interesting thing. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And you're like, what do you mean with God? Well, he was face-to-face with God. And so what we believe as Christians is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so in the beginning, they had this fellowship, this face-to-face fellowship. And it says right there in verse uh, 1 that he was with God and the word was God. Now, again, it's important for us to know that in the Greek language, they can emphasize certain words just by their position in the sentence. So for us today, if we were to emphasize the word, we might underline it or we might bold it. We might circle it, right? Right. Well, in the Greek language, the emphasis is on that last word, theos. And so when John writes his gospel, he's saying in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He's making that emphasis there. But then if you look down at verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, when when Jesus Christ came that Christmas and he was conceived within the womb of Mary and he was born in the flesh. You know, you're, you're saying, well, who is this? The who of Christmas is God. And I think we need to remember that because some people will say Jesus, but they don't really pour the content into who he is. They think he's just a, you know, a random rabbi, a passing prophet, a typical teacher. He's merely a man. No, for us, it's important to realize that the who of Christmas is God, that God was manifest in the flesh. The Bible says that in first Timothy chapter three, verse 16, great is the mystery of godliness that god was manifest in the flesh you know god came to earth you know i was reading a story about a community in baltimore and there is this man who uh, had a, a neighbor across the street and uh, she was going through uh, depression and anxiety she recently suffered the the passing of a loved one she was experiencing some turmoil at work and she was just down and out and so the family was feeling it and so the man kind of got something interesting stirring up inside of his heart what he decided to do is to take a string of lights and attach them to his house and then attach them to her house across the street and then he sent her a text message and he said hey i want you to look outside uh, your 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 window and i want you to go out in the front porch And uh, this lady who was depressed and defeated and uh, anxious and suffering panic attacks, the passing of a loved one, pressure at work, so much was happening. And he knew about this. As she looks out the window, she sees the string of lights. And she looks down at the porch and the guy had baked her some, some cookies. And it was an interesting thing that he would make that connection. But but she said when she saw the lights that it was uh, it was both literally and spiritually that like the dark went away like there was this light now that I guess it really touched her heart. You know, the interesting thing about this story and it's a true story of a community in Baltimore is the neighbors they they saw what he did and and one by one the neighbors started connecting their lights to the house across the street and they're climbing through the trees and they're drilling holes and whatever, and then attaching it to the house. And, and, and and basically what, what they were talking about is how it, it was, that, that was the best Christmas ever that there was this togetherness. There was this connection. There was this love. And I was thinking about that for a couple of reasons. Um, number one You know, one of the things that if you're having a hard time, like, well, I don't know why I'm just not feeling Christmas this year. Well, maybe there's somebody that you need to reach out to. Maybe there's somebody that's struggling down, out, you know, defeated, anxious, panic attacks. You know, maybe they suffered the loss of a loved one and we're so busy, you know, shopping or we're so busy doing other things that we haven't stopped to think, Lord, who can I connect with? And as a result of that, you know, I mean, what to me, I think that's kind of what God did with us. You know, think about God up there in, you know, his perfect fellowship. He doesn't need us, but he saw our condition. He saw the, the, the place that we were in. And when it comes to the who of Christmas, never forget God. God came down. And so there's the who of Christmas. Next is is the what of Christmas. And so since you're in the Gospel of John, we might as well just go to John chapter 3. And notice what we read here in verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, again, this is just my uh, view. This is just my perspective as far as like, wh- what is Christmas? What is this? Uh, to me, when I see the who of Christmas, I- I'm going to just ultimately say God. And then when it comes to the what of Christmas, I'm going to ultimately say the gift. The gift you know the, the gift uh, 2 Corinthians 9:15 says thanks be to God for his indescribable gift Isaiah chapter 9 in verse 6 it says unto us a, a child is born unto us a son is given you know when i when i think about what we do for christmas and how we exchange gifts i mean that's a large part of it isn't it you guys i mean wouldn't you say that's a huge part of it um When you were kids, some of you guys, you got to think back a long time. Remember remember when you were kids, right? Wasn't that just so awesome to think of the gifts? And, you know, I remember when I wanted the train set so bad, and I got it. You know, when I wanted the stereo system, this is back when, you know, back in the days when they were just coming out, and it was the disco days and Donna Summer, and I mean, and I got it. I got it, so happy, you know, I mean, maybe you can relate to the joy of when you were a child, and now that maybe you're older, isn't it a blessing to see the children open up their gifts? I mean, it is, right? To me, the the gift is a huge part of it. I was reading this one article on parents.com, and they're like, well, how do you manage the gifts? And one said that you should minimize it to three gifts per child, because, you know, they made the connection of the the wise men who later, when Jesus was two years old, they came and they gave him three gifts. And then the other one said, no, it's supposed to be four gifts. You know, you give them something they need, something they want, something they can wear and something they can read. And I don't know. They had all these different things about what to give your, your children and stuff. But, but to me, when I'm thinking about Christmas, I'm like, OK, Lord, this is something for some of you here, it's... Uh, you know, it's material that you've studied many times for others. It's new material, but, you know, we got to make sure the, that we know, number one, the who of Christmas is God, and, and the what of Christmas is that He gave this gift. You know, I mean, you guys ever get stuff from Amazon, FedEx, delivered to your door? You know, there it is right there. You kind of have to open it up, pick it up. You have to, you know, then maybe uh, unbox it. And then from there, you still have to open it up. Right. And that's what we've been. We have been given this gift. Ultimately, though, it's not just the gift of, you know, God's son. It's it's ultimately pointing to the gift of salvation. You know, Bible says in Romans chapter six, verse twenty three, that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life, you know. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So you can get a gift delivered to your house, and we have been given this gift from God. But let me ask you a question. Have you opened it up? Have you received the gift of Jesus, the gift of salvation? It's important for us to understand what Christmas is. The who is God. The what is the gift. Who, what. And and then the next question is the where. So if I were to ask you guys, some of you guys, you know Christmas pretty well, right? What what would you say is the the where of Christmas? Some of you guys know it. I'm pretty sure. What's the where of Christmas? Micah chapter 5. I love that name, Micah. When I have grandchildren, I'm going to make them name them Micah. (laughs) (laughs) Micah chapter 5 was written uh, 700 years before Christ. But notice what it says in verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah... Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. I think it's cool that you would come on a midweek service and you're like, okay, I'm here. And part of the reason I'm here is because it's the Christmas season, and I want to celebrate Christ, and so we just kind of take some time to contemplate to meditate on Jesus, and you know the who is god uh, the what is the gift, the where is 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 Bethlehem and you might wonder well well why Bethlehem a couple of reasons: number one is the city of David you know you read that in in Matthew chapter two, you read that in in the Gospel of Luke how um jesus would be born in the city of david and what that was in reference to and the reason for that is because david was the king of israel and jesus would be the king of israel as well he will come the second time and he will reign on planet earth for a thousand years and then after that forever and ever and ever in heaven right and so that's part of the reason but another part of the reason why he was born in bethlehem is because of the fact that bethlehem it means house of bread house of bread. And so when it comes to bread, Jesus said in John chapter 6 that he was the bread of life. And you might wonder well why why is does he call himself the bread of life? Well, well three things. Number 1, uh bread uh satisfies us, right? You most of you guys like bread, right? Not all of you, but most of you do. Number 2, bread sustains us. And then what we find is symbolic of is that bread saves us. You know, i am got to tell you guys a story, and you're probably not going to get it, but I'm just going to give it to you anyways, man. (laughs) Yesterday, I had this uh, amazing experience. Um, I was craving French bread, like so bad that I, I don't know if I've ever craved it this bad before. And so... You know, I was on my way home, and I'm thinking, you know what, I think I'm going to stop at Sprouts and get some French bread, or, well, maybe I'll just go home. And, you know, I almost didn't park in the garage because I thought, no, I'm just going to park outside because I'm going to leave and get some French bread. I could see it in my eyes. I could see it. I could taste it. I could taste it with, with my tongue, man. And you know what? It was just so bizarre. So I go home, and I, you know, I'm talking to Shelly and everything, and I ask her, what's for dinner tonight? And you'll never guess what she said. I got some French bread tonight. <laughs> now, you guys have to understand that this, I don't know when the last time was that she bought French bread All I know is that I think I wanted it so bad. And we've been married for how long now? Uh, (laughs) 31 years. We've been dating for six years. We've been together for 37 years. And she got the vibe, man, from my... (laughs) (laughs) All I know is that, you know, to me, that that longing... uh, uh, All right, so here I was talking to my son about this. And we're like, well, why do you think God would do that? Why would God make me want this bread so bad? Like, I don't know if I've ever felt it like that before. And then, totally, this would never happen. You guys got to understand, she never does that. But she bought it, and I go home and I experience it. Why? And I believe with all my heart, it's because you guys know, maybe you've experienced it before, God is a personal God. And God said, I love that guy right there, he wants bread i'm gonna bless him but manny don't forget you're a pastor and tomorrow you have a, a study to share with the people that i love and i want them to know that deep in their heart they want bread whatever you know you're going through in life all the other things, all the other relationships, relations, ambitions, possessions, they will never satisfy you like Jesus will. They will never satisfy you like the bread of life will. And that's why God brought you tonight, because he wants to give you this. You know, when when I think of Christmas, I, I've always thought about it this way. It's kind of like three journeys, You know, because a lot of people, they'll go through the holiday season, but they don't really celebrate Christmas because they don't accept him as their Lord and Savior. They don't say, Jesus, come into my life. They don't repent of their sins and receive Christ. And therefore, you can't really celebrate Christmas the way that you should. You know, you got to give your heart to Christ. You got to make a decision to follow Christ. And so I think of it as three journeys. Number one, it's a journey from heaven to earth. And I don't know what the distance that is, because think about the galaxies and how huge they are and how many light years they are. And, you know, God is outside of the galaxies. And so God comes to this little, you know, puny planet, this speck in space called earth. And he becomes a man, a a child. It's wild, right? So that's one journey. Another journey I think of is how, you know, in Luke chapter 2, when it says the emperor wanted to number of the people, and so Joseph and Mary had to travel 70 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. You know, think about 70 miles. She's nine months pregnant on a donkey. You know, you would travel typically 20 miles a day, it would take four days. That's an amazing journey, but she had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And so one journey is an infinite distance. Another journey is 70 miles. But you want to know what the most important journey of Christmas is? It's the journey from here to here. It's the journey from my head to my heart. You know, and that's why I'm saying, you know, for us looking at the who, the what, the where of Christmas, Bethlehem is important the, the feeding trough is important, you know, where Jesus was laid in a manger. You know, I, I, I don't know if you've ever thought about, you know, Jesus being born in a, a place where they would feed the oxen. Think about the slobber. Think about that. That's where they put him as a, to a testimony of his humility. Uh, I, I, rumor has it. I'm just going to tell you guys this. Rumor has it that when I was a little boy, my parents didn't have a little crib for me. So they put me in the dresser drawer. And so I thought, that's kind of cool, man, you know. And so that does happen sometimes. And so anyways, you know, you look at the, 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 the wear of Christmas, Bethlehem, feeding trough. No, you know what? The most important where of Christmas is your heart. Your heart. Is Christmas in your heart? Is Christ in your heart? See, so you, you got to look at the who. you got to look at the, the what. you got to look at the where. And then even the when. Now, this is an interesting one. Go over to Galatians chapter 4. So you guys know that more than likely but we don't know for sure. Jesus was not born on December 25th, right? But he may have been. I have done so much research on this, trying to pinpoint the exact day that Jesus was born. Uh, there's a lot of theologians, believe it or not, that believe he was born on September 11th. There's a lot of theologians that believe he was born on March 25th, and they have these amazing reasons. Uh, some say October 20th, Um there's one writer he wrote in the 2nd century so this is early on he wrote a commentary on the on, on on the book of Daniel he identified December 25th as the day that Jesus was born and so i suppose in one sense it's a possibility um a lot of people historians will tell you that the reason we celebrate Jesus birth on December 25th because of that pagan holiday Saturnalia, maybe you've heard of that. And so that was a pagan holiday and it was uh, uh, a week long uh you know celebration. There were some good things in it, there were some a lot of bad things in it. And basically what they say is that it ended in the winter solstice, which if you think about it, it's the longest darkest day of the year. And so, um, what we think, and I, it was interesting, I was reading Got Questions on this, and they're talking about how even today, on October 31st, we have a lot of these harvest festivals, huh? And why do we do this? Why do we have Truth and Treat? Because we're trying to swallow up um, Halloween with something good, right? And so, it just depends on how you look at it. At the end of the day, um, the the when, we don't know for sure other than this verse right here in Galatians chapter 4. Notice what it says in verse 4. It says, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Here in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it tells us when. It says, when the fullness of the time had come. And so it's an interesting passage, you know, regarding the when of Christmas. Other translations say the appropriate time. Other translations say the right time. All we know is that when it comes to Jesus being born, it was the perfect day in God's eyes now it it makes you kind of wonder well why was it the perfect day why was it the perfect time and it's got a lot of people thinking and let me just share a few things with you why this may have been the perfect time number one the Roman roads now the Romans unlike any other uh, entity in the history of the world they've paved these roads all all throughout the Roman Empire. And so what that would eventually allow the missionaries to do is to travel those Roman roads. And they had these cities, kind of like we do on the freeways, and it's an interesting time to think that, okay, one of the things that may have set up the missionary work and eventually the spread of the gospel is the Roman roads. A uh, second thing is the the Greeks and their language. And so now the the Greeks prior to the Romans had spread the language. And now there was kind of like today, I was talking to someone the other day who just recently went to Europe and they were saying you can speak English virtually everywhere in, in Europe and throughout the world, the English language is, is predominant. And so in one sense, you had these Roman roads to travel on, you had the Greek language in which we could communicate to one another, and not only that the the Greeks the one thing about the Greeks is interesting is that they were the ones that more that, that basically were saying this is the the, the pinnacle of, of 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 life what 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 men can do what what they, you know they, they worshipped in one sense men and, and so with the Greek gods and the Greek culture and the Greek emphasis, what happened was they left the world empty the the, the world was empty the souls were searching the roman roads the greek language and then the last factor involved was the jewish diaspora and that is the jewish dispersion and how at that time the jews were dispersed throughout the world and what they had spread was the message of messiah coming and all the things they lined up and then God there in Galatians chapter four verse four says in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. And and I was thinking about that even in my own life, how on August 20th, 1989, that was my day, the fullness of time. You know, I, I don't know what's going on, some of you guys, I it would be cool to hear your testimony, but just how everything intersected in the in the trials or the struggles or the failures or the emptiness or whatever it was, the, 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 the day that you got saved, that was the fullness of time. And so for us, looking at the Christmas message, all we know is that God knew the timing. We see the who, the what, the where, the when, uh, the, the why is over in Matthew 1.21. And we've already kind of touched on it, but two things and then we'll be done. Because if you want to celebrate Christmas, believe you me, you want to make sure that you want to be someone who gets these things right. And look what we read here in verse 21. It says, and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. Why? Why Christmas? Salvation. Salvation. How many of you here have experienced salvation? You know what I'm talking about, huh? God came into your life. God set you free. You were born again. Somewhere along the line, you made a decision to accept Christ. You know, before I was a Christian, I didn't understand the Bible. I read it, but I didn't understand it. I went through the motions. It was just a religion for me. It wasn't a relationship. Well, this is why Jesus has come to save us from our sins, from the power of sin, the penalty of sin and the presence of sin. Before I was a Christian, I I couldn't stop drinking. I couldn't stop taking drugs. I couldn't stop lusting or, you know, looking at porn. I couldn't stop, you know, um, cussing. I mean, I mean, you name it. I had no power over sin. But when Christ came into my life, I had now the power You know, and this is what he saved us from, the power of sin, the the penalty of sin, which is hell and eventually the lake of fire. He saved me from that, even though I deserve that. I won't go there, as a matter of fact. He saved me from the presence of sin. One day, we will be in heaven. No more sin, because this is what Jesus, this is why this is the why of Christmas. You know, I was listening to a study today about a guy who was talking to someone about how, um, uh, you know, the, one of the guys, Alistair Begg, he's a pastor, and he was golfing. And as he was out there golfing, someone came up to him and they said, he, they said to Alistair Begg, I don't like you. And Alistair Begg said, yeah, I hear that a lot. <laughs> a lot of people don't like me. And and the, and he says, Well, just out of curiosity, like, why don't you like me? And he said, Because you said we're sinners. He said, You you said we're sinners. And Alistair Begg said, Yeah, yeah. And the man's all, I'm not a sinner. And Alistair Begg said, What? And the guy said, I'm not a sinner. And Alistair Beg said, Wow, I've only known of one other person who said who, who said they weren't a sinner. And the guy's all, Who? <laughs> Alistair Beck said, Jesus, (laughs) he's the only one, the only other one who's never sinned. You see, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us here, and the wages of sin is death. This is why we need a Savior. This is why God came. You know, the who, the what, the where, the when, the why, and then the, the last one, you're like, well, well, how did God do this? You know, how did God do that? And that's a really interesting question. I mean, how did the God of the universe, who fills the universe in an immensity, how was he able to then be conceived within the womb of Mary? And not just God, but 100% man, 100% God, You know, why did he do this? To teach us, to show us, to walk in our moccasins, but primarily to save us. How did God do that? You want to know what the answer is? Love. How did God do this? Love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love and with loving kindness I've drawn you. You know, the the music of Christmas is love. The message of Christmas is love. You know when I think of that first story that I opened with that gal that was over there down defeated, discouraged, depressed, panic attacks, anxiety, all the struggles that she was going with and she had a going through and she had a neighbor who cared enough to make that connection. I think, Lord, that's how you are. I know most of you here are already Christians and I praise God for that. I praise God that you're still here celebrating that love. Of what Christ has done in your life, but but as we close today, uh, my prayer is that if you're not a Christian, you know, and this delivery has been you know brought to your house, and you've never really opened up that gift, you've never really opened up your heart, that tonight you would do that. Tonight you would say, "Yes, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior." And if you make that decision, don't worry about your life. Don't worry. Well, I'm a bad person, and I've got all these sins, and I've got all this baggage, and I, and I used to be, you know, and you name a different religion. No, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship that you can have with God. But you have to choose. On August 20th, 1989, I made a choice, and God came into my life. My prayer is that you have not yet made that choice, that tonight you would.